Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we welcome medical doctor, Dr. Courtney Hunt. it has to come together. You have to lower the inflammation. And going back to unpacking the suitcase or the junk in your trunk or the fat cells, when you start to lose weight, you also start to lower the inflammation in your brain. Now, some people will say, well, what about the skinny fat of us? Or what about the skinny people or the underweight people who suffer? Same thing. If you're genetically not wired to make large fat cells, then where are those persistent organic pollutants going to go? If you don't make fat, they're going to go in the fat of your brain. Your brain is 70% fat. So when you clean house, you're fixing that relationship between those neurons so that you can feel better, stronger, faster. The fogginess starts to lift, the cognition starts to come back, the forgetting what you, why you went in the laundry room starts to go. All of those things are the things that make us feel anxious, right? It all starts to go away. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, host of the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you for pressing play today. I hope you're having an incredible day full of vitamin G gratitude with abundance, love, vitality, and all the things you want to work for you, you will get today. Today's episode is fun, informative, with Dr. Courtney Hunt, all about light and the relationship between light, your DNA, and this magical symphony. Did you know that your body works as a system of organized information where the food you eat and the light you are exposed to fuel the energy and information that tells your DNA how to be healthy. Well, we bring on Dr. Courtney Hunt, who spent the majority of her career as a board-certified OBGYN, and you're going to hear the story of her challenges of being exhausted, having heavy periods, reoccurring infections, hypothyroidism, and as a gynecologist, she didn't even know what was happening and what she did to change her health, and how she got heavily invested in understanding light from food and and from your nutrition and from the sunshine. We talk about the relationship between the mitochondria and the sun. We discuss the mitochondria taking information from oxygen, such as the plants, the sun, electrons, proteins, fat, and carbs, and then a light code, which is the sun. And she wants us all to have a love affair with the sun, as she does. We talk about why she loves ketosis and burning fat instead of ketones. And she compares the ATP output from a cell burning fat and ketones versus the ATP output of a cell burning glucose. ATP, as you remember, is the gasoline of your cell. It's the energy currency. And ketones, as she explains, produces 400% more ATP than glucose. We get into depression and anxiety, how to overcome it, why nature is your best friend, how to sync your circadian rhythm with Mother Nature, vitamin D, the importance of vitamin D. We discuss infertility and how to become more fertile, and so much more. This is such an amazing conversation. I loved her energy, her attitude. I love what she stands for. Her Instagram is a little controversial, but I love it. And she is bold and not afraid to step in her truth and speak her truth. So you're going to enjoy Dr. Courtney Hunt. I can't wait to bring her on in a minute. I do want to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This five-star review comes from S. Rainey, YCW. 
titled Thank You for Your Knowledge and Time. Thank you for giving out so much to your listeners. One of the best podcasts on keto flexing. As a woman in postmenopause, I finally found the answers I've needed for my best health and wellness at my age. That is awesome, Esferini. I am so grateful. Good job learning keto flexing and applying it. It's a game changer. If you haven't gotten my book, Keto Flex, get it right now, ketoflexbook.com. Esferini, thank you for leaving that rating and review. If you have not left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review yet, please do so right now. It really helps the show grow and reach more lives. All right, let's talk about light DNA and mitochondria with Dr. Courtney Hunt. Dr. Courtney Hunt, MD, attended University of California at Berkeley for her undergraduate studies and continued her education in medicine in Chicago, Illinois. She completed her obstetrics and gynecology residency at UCLA. Dr. Hunt practiced gynecology for 15 years before stepping down to pursue her interest in quantum biology and nutrigenetics and the interaction between our environment and our DNA. Here's Dr. Courtney Hunt. Dr. Courtney Hunt, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Credit to Evan Transu who connected us and I was just telling you offline, I have really enjoyed studying, getting ready for this conversation. I just love the work that you're doing. It's uh, really amazing and beautiful and I can't wait to have a deep conversation with you today and we will talk about the mitochondria, ketosis, anxiety, depression, infertility. Uh, We'll talk about your book, The Quantum Mechanics of Human Creation and much more. But I want to start with your story. 2014, struggling with heavy periods, struggling with reoccurring infections, uh, hypothyroidism. You were a gynecologist, are a gynecologist, and you still couldn't figure things out. So what happened along this way for you? Uh, Well, I had two children back to back in 2010 and in 2012. And I was a solo practice obstetrician intermixed. I had some people working with me, but for the most part, I was doing it all myself and I wasn't sleeping. I took my children to work with me with a nanny in the office and I would breastfeed. I was very lucky. I was able to breastfeed between patients, but I was also delivering babies every night. So there were just two years where I completely ran myself to the ground and In 2014 and 2015, I had had pretty much a photographic memory and I all of a sudden could barely read a book. And I started thinking, what is going on with my brain? Like I am losing my cognition here. What is happening? And so I started looking at the functional medicine direction. I think like a lot of physicians who are disillusioned with what's happening with their health and realizing that either we weren't prepared in medical school for what's going on or what's happening in this environment is different than what happened 30 to 50 years ago. And we need to figure out why people are having these chronic issues. So I started looking at, okay, what's going on with my brain? How do I heal my brain? How do I get more sleep? At the same time, I was realizing that my patients in my practice were feeling the same way I was. Uh, And so I started first working with nutritional genetics just playing with MTHFR back in 2014, 2015 and COMT because those were what I could get insurance to cover. And when I started realizing how many people had problems in those pathways, then I started checking. It's hard in obstetrics because most people don't have great insurance in obstetrics and they can't afford to pay for a lot of labs. So I just started checking whatever I could get insurance to cover for these women. And I was finding a large percentage of my patients had Hashimoto's or abnormal thyroid uh, labs or low zinc levels, low B12 levels, definitely low vitamin D levels. So I started just gathering, gathering all the data that I could on my individual patients and realizing we've got a nutritional problem here. And the fact that most obstetricians don't connect the dots that to build a zygote and then an embryo and then a fetus, you have to have the right nutrition you're building a baby out of the building blocks that you're putting in. And I think that that's like a cognitive step that's missing with both obstetricians. So I started with nutrigenetics in 2015 and 2016 and just started learning it like a language. And so in order to do that, you have to look at the person and say, okay, what are the symptoms? What do the genes say about those symptoms? And then what can I give that person nutritionally, either with food or supplement to help them build better cells? that was how it took off for me. And it just kind of grew from there. 
I, I love the thought process. So let's talk about Hashimoto's real quick. You, you saw a high rate of that. I mean, you, yourself included, and, and my mom actually has Hashimoto's. So number one, can Hashimoto's be reversed? And number two, what do you see as the top driving forces that are contributing to this rise in Hashimoto's? It absolutely can be reversed. I was on 120 milligrams of Armour Thyroid. I was on Synthroid before that during my pregnancies. I'm no longer on medication. Awesome. Most of my doctor colleagues will tell you that it cannot be reversed. They don't want to check antibodies. They're taught not to check antibodies, which to me is a tragedy because I track antibodies every time and I consistently see them go down and stay down. Because their treatment is the same, right? That's why why bother checking that. Wouldn't their, their treatment, treatment be the same? Is pharmaceutical, Synthroid, Zytomel. Yeah. So what's the point of checking the antibodies if they're going to treat it the same way? Right. So my philosophy is if we have mechanisms in us as a zygote or an embryo to be able to release stem cells and repair our bodies, and we have Nobel Prizes on how to do that, then the body must inherently have a way to do that. So I'm really clear with people when I talk about things that I have evidence-based medicine to support, and I'm really clear when I talk about things that I see in clinical practice. When you combine what the evidence says about having elevated TPO antibodies and abnormal thyroid function and what that does to a child, you know that there's a problem there. If we know that we have genes like OCT4 that they can use based on Nobel Prizes to reintroduce to cause multipotential or pluripotential stem cells to come out, then there must be a way to fix things in the human body. And so that was kind of my premise of what I went after to figure out how to do this. And that led me to ketosis and mitochondria. And well, mitochondria first, because there was a component of light there um, and ketosis and then fasting and exercise and all the other stuff. What was the gene that you mentioned that helps with the stem cells? So there's a, a Japanese doctor who won a Nobel Prize for OCT4, SOX, and then there's two others, which I'm blanking on the names of right now. And using those two, basically he can take like fibroblasts or stem cells that we know we can access and turn those into multipotential stem cells and then use those in heart disease and eye disease. So if we know that we can do that by re-injecting that, and they're using that in the clinic now for like retin retinopathies, there has to be a way for humans to do it naturally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I love the thought process. And I love that. I love your background because you're not only looking at the clinical evidence-based medicine, which is important, but you're also, you're in the trenches. So you're kind of putting it both together. I see a disconnect with people just only looking at evidence-based medicine, or I should say looking at research studies, but when you actually apply it, you see something different, but if you could kind of synthesize both of that, both worlds, which is what you're doing, I think that's where a lot of the magic happens. Here's a quote from you that I'm going to read. Doctors break down the system organ by organ, but we make energy from our batteries to feed our DNA code information from sunlight so we could be healthy. Can you unpack that sentence a little bit? So the sun in the sky is in thermodynamic equilibrium with the earth. That's proven physics. All of the light from the sun gives us all of the energy to grow plants and for the plants to perform photosynthesis. Those plants are cleaning our environment and making oxygen for us to breathe. And we are burning the oxygen as fuel. So I think that's a key point in health that people miss, that we are in a love affair with these plants. I'm looking because I just bought a big plant and it's sitting there. <laughs> We're in this love affair with plants. And I call it an endosymbiotic love affair with the sun and plants. And the sun, if you, if, when you understand electromagnetic radiation, it is energy. It's frequencies of energy. So red light, 700 nanometers and ultraviolet lights, 240, you know, I mean, roughly wavelengths. It's all energy. The entire electromagnetic spectrum is energy. That energy from the sun is feeding the plants. It's feeding the animals. It's feeding us through the plants and animals. Also the whole circadian biology, Nobel Prize information, thermoelectric effect, Einstein's Nobel Prize in 20, 1921. This is all the sun. So it's giving us all of that energy, which I call information because it has to do with the, the information contained in the photons to be healthy. And if, if humans could just get that, we would be so much healthier. If, if people, people could just grasp that concept, all of the information is coming from sunlight, either directly or indirectly. I think that would help people big picture start to heal themselves. But then you have people who are afraid of the sun. Uh, we've been taught the sun 
creates melanoma, creates skin cancer. We have somebody named Bill Gates who wants to block the sun. I mean, so how do you overcome all this uh, misinformation that's out there? One person at a time, hiking a mountain every day, screaming it from the mountain. <laughs> Doing your IG lives every day, right? <laughs> Having conversations like this too, yep. I mean, I don't know how... You have to get people to understand that this information has been hidden from them for thousands of years. It's buried in ancient cultures. Fasting is in every religious text. But because yep. we're not taught why that the apparent migration of the sun across the horizon and its ability to allow us to grow plants, to feed our animals so we can eat the animals. And you know, when we go into winter, we fast or we don't eat as much. We don't go to Safeway and have Christmas cookies. We shouldn't be doing <laughs> right. that all winter long, right? Yeah. I think if we started with that top down, just getting people to understand that, it would be a big accomplishment. Agreed. So getting more sunlight. Me personally, every day I'm getting sunlight. Even on overcast days, I walk when in the morning when the sun is rising. I'm walking my dog, doing affirmations in my head, auto-suggestions, and getting that morning sunlight. I typically get it when the sun's setting. And then I go on my rooftop and I get it midday. Like before this interview, I worked out on my rooftop and I get it there. So are these little strategies that we could implement even on overcast days, somebody's in London, just getting more sun in general, a good idea for us? Just being outside, no matter where you are, no matter where you are, and being cognizant of your skin type. Because if you are someone who should be raised in Africa and you're living in London, you need a lot more exposure than if you were in Africa, right? It would take, I just think people playing with the D-Minder app and starting to understand, oh gosh, you know, I'm a Fitzpatrick four skin type and I live in Norway. Maybe I should think about the fact that I'm going to need more sun to get to the amount of vitamin D exposure, right? Or um, knowing your genetics, your VDR tac genes, those types of things also helps too. It's just raising awareness and raising awareness that it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that if you are a 200 pound woman in Iowa, who eats pancakes and hamburgers and fries and lots of carbohydrates all day, you should go to Miami and lay on the beach all day. You're clearly going to burn and you're clearly mm-hmm. going to hurt yourself. So everything about the body needs to be in that Goldilocks zone of just the right amount, right? And I know you yeah. understand that, but I think when people are so sick, I deal with the sickest of the sick, the people who can barely get out of bed to take their kids to school and then they come back and they pass out and then they try to get up and make dinner and then they pass back out. And I feel for them because they know they're not good parents. They know they're not, you know, supporting their, their community. They know how bad they feel. So even just little things like don't scroll Instagram all day, play with the D minder app and try to understand it. Just start to understand your relationship with sunlight. Um, I think are important. D minder app. I haven't heard of that one. Is that your app or just an app you recommend? No, it's an app called D-Minder and it tells you everything you need to know about being in the sun. Oh, that's very cool. What you're referring to is is staying in that hormetic zone, right? For for me, I could get an hour, maybe two hours of sunshine and, and not get burned. And primarily it's because I eat a clean diet, no vegetable oils, no high-dose fish oil. So I don't burn often. I, I take astaxanthin, which also helps with that. But somebody, like you said, who's in Iowa and goes to Miami Beach for the weekend and all of a sudden, 15 minutes, they're burning. And that's that hormetic curve now drops and you're getting uh, the negative result from it. So I, I like that you mentioned that. To, um, most of the people who listen to me have no idea what hormesis is. You want to explain what that means to you? Yeah, I'll let you. Do you want me to explain it or do you, do you want to explain it? To me, it just means we're in a Goldilocks zone. So this yeah. planet that we are in has to be the exact distance that it is from the sun for us to have day and night, day and night, 365 days in the year. And if something happened to our sun, we would not be alive. Mm-hmm. The same thing happens in our bodies. You can't you, it's, you can't be too cold and you can't be too hot. So for the people who don't understand that scientific word, it's just like the three little bears. You want your porridge at the right temperature. You want the right amount of sun for your skin type. So if you have fair, fair skin, you might only need half an hour. If you're super dark, you might need two hours. But that D-Minder app, if you just download it and set it with all of your settings, it will tell you so you don't have to guess and you don't have to burn and you don't have to hurt yourself. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to download it. And, and and that's a great analogy, the Goldilocks zone. And the perfect example of, of hormesis, if you really want to get it, is what you just said, but also exercise, right? When you first start exercising and you find the right length and the right weight and you get the right benefit, that's in that Goldilocks zone. But if you overdo it and you feel exhausted and you're super sore, 
you did too much, right? So you got to figure out with what we're talking, everything that we talk about, you got to figure out what your zone is, right? And I think that's really hard for the chronically ill, what I call the spoonies, or they, they self-refer to as spoonies is when they start to feel better, they'll have three to five days where they feel better. And then they think, oh my gosh, I'm going to go hike the mountain. And then they go hike the mountain and then they set themselves back two weeks. So I think when you're first you know, again, I, I want everybody to be healthy. So I, I, I tend to not talk to the biohackers. I tend to talk more to the moms who can't get off the couch. If that's you and you feel like you finally have the energy for the first time in five years to go to the gym, go for 15 minutes and don't lift 25 pounds, lift five pounds and walk on a treadmill and go home and make sure you're okay the next day before you, you know, add two more minutes the next day and the next day, just go slow. Yeah, no, well said, so important. I, I love that. So let's talk about the mitochondria something that you're an expert on, you've studied it, you, you share it really well. Let's start with the basics of what the mitochondria does and why it's so magnificent. And then we'll get into you know how ketosis could help uh, with ATP production and all that. So again, the way I see it is the mitochondria are our suns within us, are our batteries within us that are making that. energy, this molecule called ATP. So they are taking information from our sun, oxygen, electrons from food, and directions, meaning 24-7 directions and 365-day-a-year directions. It's all information theory, basically. And they're then making packaging up this molecule called ATP, which then gives directions to our DNA, which is then using molecules from our food. to I call it the Chipotle line, but basically just switching the molecules from the food to make this big bowl, which is our body. Line, that's good. <laughs> I mean, if you look at like a methylation pathway, yeah. we go through the folate receptor, the, the, the dihydrofolate reductase, the methylene tetrahydrofolate, you go through all those enzymes. So if you can just think about that as like a, I see like a conveyor belt or a Chipotle line and they're putting, it's literally just switching the molecule to make it what we can use. Love that. Great analogy. Uh, okay. Got it. So the mitochondria takes info from oxygen, electrons and, and light code, the sun. And okay, so you said something that I resonated with, which is that when you're burning sugar instead of fat, it's more inflammatory. I get that. I talk about that a lot. But what you said was fat makes four times the amount of ATP, which is essentially 400% more energy from fat versus sugar. It's just biochemistry. I mean, if you burn, if you're burning sugar, you're making 32 to 36 molecules of ATP. And if you're burning fat, you're getting over 120, depending on the length of the molecule. So Got it. that's more ATP. And so that's why you feel better once you get through keto flu. That's, you know, three or four weeks. For some people, it's longer. Then all of a sudden you wake up that one day and you're like, oh, I have unlimited energy. I just saw someone this morning who said, I have so much energy. I'm feeling nervous. Like, I don't know what to do with myself. I've never felt like this before. Right. So to be in your 50s or 60s and have never had that feeling, some people, it scares them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling. You're right. And the keto flu is not even required. If you get the, keep the electrolytes up and, and kind of have a gradual decrease in carbs, uh, it's not necessary. You could get to that without the, the struggle. But you know what I would say to that, Ben, is if you don't know what you're doing and you've never heard this information, spend time with people like you or me who can teach you how to do it slowly. I see so many people coming on my pages or sending emails saying, I tried and I felt so bad. There's many of us who have gone before you who can say, hey, get your water right, get your electrolytes right, add salt at this point. Like just the little hints along the way really help. Don't, yeah. don't try to just jump into this with both feet and not know what you're doing. It makes a big difference to get help. It does. It takes decades and turns that into days. And uh, it, it helps you really put yourself ahead of the game. And you don't have to struggle through it. You could get support and coaching and hire an expert. That's what it's about. Hire an expert. So you're right on with that point. Hey, Keto Camper, I have a fun pop quiz for you real quick. How many sailors throughout history died from scurvy caused by vitamin C deficiency during the time of Columbus? Is it A, 20,000? Is it B, 200,000, or is it C, 2 million sailors? All right, do you have your answer locked in? Drum roll, please. The answer is 2 million. Would you believe 2 million people had to die before we figured that out? Here's where it gets even crazier. There's a little known deficiency right now killing millions of people all around the world, 
and the disease it's causing is insomnia. According to a study published by Academic Press, magnesium deficiency is a leading cause in sleep disruption in both children and adults. The problem is, not just any magnesium will do. Recent studies have shown that there are actually seven forms of magnesium and our bodies need them in precisely the right balance for proper sleep. There's only one magnesium supplement on the market that has the full spectrum of all seven forms and it's called Magnesium Breakthrough. I gotta tell you, when I take this stuff, I just feel on. My body is finally getting something it's been desperately needing. To learn more, go to magbreakthrough.com slash ketocamp and use the coupon code KETOCAMP10 to get 10% off your first bottle. If it doesn't fix your sleep, digestion, and energy levels like it did for me, or if you're not satisfied for any reason, they'll give you a prompt and courteous refund on the spot. They guarantee it. So head over to magbreakthrough.com slash ketocamp, use the code ketocamp10, and go get your mag breakthrough. We'll include the link in the coupon code in the notes down below. All right, let's go back to this conversation. Now, with the mitochondria, your book and your information talks a lot about fertility, infertility, and we're going to talk about that. But I always look at the human body as the number one priority being survival, right? The body wants to survive. And if we could kind of like understand what's happening, how toxins, when they enter the body, uh, PPARY pathways turned on to shuttle the toxins into our fat because uh, the solution to pollution is dilution. So it's kind of getting it away from the vital organs. That's one way of understanding how, how the body just wants to survive. But in the conversation of the mitochondria, well, something I'm fascinated with, and I know you are too, if we look at the cells that are most responsible for survival in the human body, those are the same cells that have the highest concentration of mitochondria, right? The brain, the eyes, the heart, the ovaries, I was surprised to find, have like the highest concentration of mitochondria. Could you talk about how that like amazing... I know, isn't that, I know you love it. So go ahead, do your thing. <laughs> well, it annoys me that none of the doctors who talk about this explain to people that an ovary has, or an egg has 600,000 mitochondria fertilization. In That's one cell. In one cell. That's crazy, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to kickstart a consciousness in one cell. So that happens leading up to ovulation. There is a, the egg, the night before ovulation takes 20 billion zinc atoms into it the night before ovulation. That takes a ton of work. And when the sperm and egg hits, there's an explosion of 20 billion zinc atoms out of the egg that we can see as a spark. It's called the zinc spark. It's light from a quantum physics perspective, but the light that you see on those videos that I show is actually a fluorescent tagged zinc. So I don't, I don't want people to think, oh, that we actually could see that light if we had like a microscope inside your pelvis, you couldn't. But the egg has 600,000 mitochondria, more than the brain cells, more, more than neurons, more than cardiac cells, more than the retina, more than anything to jumpstart that life. And to turn a multi-potential single stem cell or an adult cell into a multi-potential stem cell that then unfolds to become anything in the human body, everything in the human body. That's magic. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, and, and you talk a lot about infertility and what, what have you seen in terms of like the percentages of uh, how many people are infertile these days and maybe some of the solutions to what's going on here? Well, so at the beginning of the pandemic on March 20th, I saw, an, I, don't, I haven't practiced obstetrics for six years seven years. But I saw a colleague of mine in the parking lot and I said to him, you better be wary because in December, you're going to be so busy. You're not going to do know what to do with yourself with deliveries. Right. And that didn't happen. So my mind, by the end of the year, I went and looked up what the statistics were and the CDC had released statistics that we had a 4% decline in deliveries the first quarter. 4% and 4% decline in fecundity, which takes into account all of the issues. Meaning women are getting pregnant, older, older moms, jobs, it looks at everything. So we didn't see that increase. And this was at the beginning. So I think that there, well, I know that there is something affecting our fertility predating everything that's going on. 
And I haven't seen the newer statistics. I don't know if they've published anything for 2021 yet, but I would imagine it's continuing to decline. So we know, like when you look at things like the potato famine and how epigenetics DNA is handed down and affects generations to come, we know that that's going on within us. I think what is happening is that we are poisoning our eggs and our sperm over generation, 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 and we're having less pregnancies, less healthy children. I'm seeing children now with leptin levels sky high and fasting mm. insulin levels sky high, liver, fatty liver in 15-year-olds. Jeez. So we're handing down these problems through the DNA of the sperm and egg generation after generation after generation. And what I see clinically, if as an obstetrician or gynecologist, we know that women of Native American and Mexican descent have a higher incidence of polycystic ovarian syndrome, which you asked about how the mitochondria determine fertility. But now these past few years, I've been seeing it in East Indian women. I've been seeing it in way more Caucasian young women. So I think that this anovulation or polycystic ovarian syndrome that we originally saw in the indigenous people or the Mexican people because of their diets is now starting to happen. We're starting to see the trickle-down effect generation to generation. It only takes three or four generations to poison your egg and a sperm. We're starting to see it in everybody. So if I'm right, which it's already starting to show in the statistics, our fertility rates are going to plummet. Yeah, it's a scary thought. And if you look at the environmental working group in that study that looked at the blood cord of, uh, of babies, I think it was 170 of the toxins found were considered uh, cancer-causing, right? Their lead is passed on through utero, mercury's... I mean, we have environmental toxins and we live in the most toxic world. So what can we do? I mean, that's the kind of like the bad news, but um, everybody's responsible for their own health. So what, what are some things we can do? Well, let's, let's start right here. The mitochondria. We know ketones, burning fat instead of sugar, great for the mitochondria. What are some other ways we could support the mitochondria? I think people have to realize that their fat cells are where they store their junk in their trunk. <laughs> yeah. It's the suitcase of persistent organic pollutants. So they got to lower insulin. They got to find ways to lower insulin. So they have to lower their insulin. And I think just for the average person who doesn't understand science, the analogy I use is it's like a suitcase. And if no one ever told you, hey, your body is meant to fast, that is your mechanism for cleaning yourself. That is your mechanism for dumping pesticides and heavy metals, which heavy metals have always been in the earth's crust. This isn't a new thing. Aluminum and cadmium are not a new thing. They're just in higher concentrations now. That's your suitcase. And if you never unpacked your suitcase and you're a 35-year-old woman who wants to have a baby, first, we have to learn to separate how offended people get about talking about fat. It doesn't matter to me how fat you are, how skinny you are, what you wear, what you look like. You just have to understand that that fat cell is holding all the junk that you put in your suitcases since you were a child. And if you never spent time practicing fasting or emptying your suitcases, you're carrying around a life history of toxins. So that is going to show up in your labs as an elevated leptin, meaning your fat and your brain aren't communicating anymore. Your mitochondria doesn't know how to burn fat anymore. It's going to show up as an elevated fasting insulin, an elevated hemoglobin A1C, which my definition, and I'm sure your definition of an elevated hemoglobin A1C is way different than what primary care doctors tell you. Yeah. Disrupted sleep and then sleep apnea and then more disrupted sleep. And so that cascade, you just start circling the drain. And and a lot of times I think we get stuck at, don't tell me I'm fat. I don't want to hear I'm fat. This isn't a taboo, I hurt your feelings conversation. This is, you need to know that that's where those toxins are sitting and you need to dump them. And you need to make sure that before you have a baby, if you have abnormalities in those labs, I can guarantee you that you're full of all this junk that we're talking about. And you don't want to pass that on to your baby. Nobody, if they understood it that way, would want to pass that on to their child. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great analogy. And it's not about fat shaming or anything like that. It's about health. It's about being healthy. And you're right. The reason we see so many babies, like you mentioned, those stats of babies who have high fasting insulins, 15-year-olds with fatty livers, that should never happen. But a big part of that is, is really the parents and, and what their lifestyle was like and what that's how that's passed on to the baby. 
at utero. So it really is our responsibility for the future of uh, our humanity. One of the stats, by the way, on the CDC's website, at least when I looked at it last year, might have changed. But one of those stats was by the year 2032, 10 years from right now, it's predicted that one in two children will be born on the autism spectrum, right? At, at this trend right now. So anything you want to add to that? Have you seen anything similar with autism? Yeah, well, my views on autism are very, 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 very different. So evolutionarily speaking, the genetics of autism predates the split from humans to primates. And throughout evolution, autistic people, or what would have been called Asperger's, but the DSM has removed Asperger's for the past nine years, eight years, would have been the people who would have been the ones putting cities together and building things and staying by the fire and working on the inner workings. And those true autism and Asperger's people, I don't think that that's increasing. Got it. Genetically. Yep. Makes sense. I think the amount of neuroinflammation from lack of solar vitamin D, not ever cleaning ourselves, having too much pesticide, having too many heavy metals, I think that is increasing along with an increase of providers who don't understand those differences, right? And so they're putting children into categories of autism. So there, I have a couple of examples. I have a child that I have worked with who was poisoned by nitrous because she had methylation problems and glutathione problems in her genetic pathway that the dentist wasn't aware of. So she got laughing gas. She passed out. She wound up in the hospital because she couldn't process the anesthetics and because the doctors at the children's hospital had no, no idea about her genetics. She didn't have those yet. Her family fortunately found me and we worked it out and got her better. She wound up in the hospital for almost two months in an induced coma. They wound up sending in the autism expert and all he really understood was MTHFR, but at least he said that word to them so that the family could research it. They found me and now the child's okay. There are many PIDs in my practice and my medical practice that fit that criteria. They're not autistic, but they're winding up in the hands of the autistic experts because those are the only people who understand some piece of what you and I are talking about today. They don't see the big picture, but they at least understand methylation. They at least understand glutathione. So I think that the, to, I, do I think that it's going to be one and two? No. Do I think we have a ton of induced neuroinflammation in our children? Yes. Another way to say that is, do autistic people have a higher incidence of methylation pathway problems? Yes, but it's not that that's making them autistic. Mm -hmm. So to tease all that out, and I try, I know that uh, mothers of autistic children really get upset when they hear me talk about that. I just look at it differently. And whether a child is autistic or neurotypical, they can both have neuroinflammation. But when you distill it down, fix the methylation, fix the glutathione, fix the superoxide dismutase, fix all the things, you're still going to have an autistic child. Can you bring an autistic child out of being nonverbal? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Can you bring an autistic child to a different level and help them? Absolutely. But I see that whole topic differently. And my heart goes out to the parents who have autistic children. My whole company, Genetic Protocol, was designed to help those families. I just see it differently. And I see adult autistic people who resent their parents for putting them in a category where they can, where they felt like they were less than. Yeah. And so if we, as a society kind of flip the narrative on this, I think we could be of more service to those kids, whether they're low functioning, autistic, high functioning, autistic, neurotypical, atypical, or just neuroinflamed. It takes a really astute provider to be able to tease all of that out and work with the parents to bring that child to whatever level of function you can. Yeah. And if you're listening or watching and you have a, an autistic child or you know somebody who's autistic, I mean, you could reach out to Dr. Courtney Hunt. Her website is CourtneyHuntMD.com and you could contact her. I do want to talk about depression and anxiety. You, you probably don't know this about me, but um, 12, 13 years ago, I was obese. I was suicidal. I was depressed. I was looking for ways to end my life. And it was a vicious circle until I took responsibility and overcame all that which was sparked my health journey and then getting into the health space. So I'm somebody who dealt with a lot of depression. We fast forward to this year, 2022. In the last two years, 
we've seen depression, suicide take off. So let's talk about depression, suicide, what you've seen and some things we can do to help here. So to me, that's all a function of mitochondrial energy production at the synapse. If you have large fat cells, water follows carbs. So if you have a night out partying and you have too much sugar and you have too much alcohol and you can't get your aura ring on anymore <laughs> yes. red ring on the next morning, you know, you better spend some time fasting in a cold plunge to get rid of that. That's just a basic concept that if people who don't understand this stuff, just, just understood when your rings are tight, your brain's inflamed. Mm, when great. your brain's inflamed, your neurons, which, you know, you have a, an axon and a dendrite and a synapse in between. That's, let me center that. That's kind of, this is what's going on in your neurons. So you're sending an electrical potential down here. You're releasing neurotransmitters in this space. And then the electric, the action potential keeps going. You're creating electromagnetic radiation. You're creating stuff that's, I think, just think of it like flying off of your head. But in this space, you have dopamine, serotonin, glutamate, and GABA recycling. All that's going on in here. So when you're inflamed, you're literally puffing up your nerves like you're puffing up your finger. And the quantum level magnitude of shifting that's going on there is huge. Now, if you're not giving yourself the right building blocks to make the coating on your nerves, which is called myelin, or make the cholesterol that houses your neurotransmitters or make the mitochondria, the highest density of mitochondria after the egg literally sits at the synapse. The purpose of that is to allow dopamine, serotonin, those neurotransmitters to recycle. So all of it has to come together. You have to lower the inflammation and going back to unpacking the suitcase or the junk in your trunk or the fat cells, when you start to lose weight, you also start to lower the inflammation in your brain. Now, some people will say, well, what about the skinny fat of us? Or what about the skinny people or the underweight people who suffer? Same thing. If you're genetically not wired to make large fat cells, then where are those persistent organic pollutants going to go? If you don't make fat, they're going to go in the fat of your brain. Your brain is 70% fat. So when you clean house, you're fixing that relationship between those neurons so that you can feel better, stronger, faster. The fogginess starts to lift. The cognition starts to come back. The forgetting what you, why you went in the laundry room starts to go. All of those things are the things that make us feel anxious, right? It all starts to go away. Oh, I love it. That's exactly what happened to me. I mean, I lost 80 pounds and part of it, I, the depression went away. I also found my purpose in life, which is very important to live on purpose with your purpose. And uh, uh, that's interesting about if the rings are tight, uh, your, your brain is inflamed. You know, what's interesting is that whenever I eat too close to bed, which I tend not to do, I always give myself enough time to digest before bed. But whenever I do find myself going to a late dinner, I got the freaking tight ring and my aura ring. And I'm like, God, oh, now I'm like, damn it, my brain's going to get inflamed. Well, I don't think you're <laughs> as old as I am. But what I notice is if I go out and have a, a, I hate to call it a cheat meal, but if I go out and have cake or pie or something, yeah. the next morning, my vision is blurry. That means I've got inflammation in my eye. Yeah. Right. And then when I get back into ketosis, typically by 10 or 11 or 12 o'clock, it's gone. I can see fine. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, that's really interesting. So I hope that kind of puts together some of the pieces to the puzzle for those listening or watching. What do you personally do? And this is me asking Dr. Courtney what she does, going back to the hormesis Goldilocks zone. This doesn't mean this is what you should do, but what do you do, Courtney, in terms of getting enough sunlight? I know you're outside a lot, but like, can you just break down a little bit about what you do? Do you do any red light therapy? If you could share that too. I moved to Arizona. <laughs> so I, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in, a, in Moline, Illinois, and I felt just like everybody else feels there about mid-February. I went to Berkeley, hiked every day at college, felt amazing, and then went back to Chicago for medical school. And by October, I was so depressed. I was spending more time in Barnes & Noble reading self-help books than I was in my med school lectures. Literally, I would read a self-help book and then go study medicine and then read a wow. self-help book about depression because they didn't teach us that much about depression yeah. back then. Who were you reading? Uh, one of the authors, self-help authors. Oh, I don't even remember. Anything I could just sit on the floor at Barnes & Noble <laughs> and get my hands on about depression. Wow. The thing is, at the time, not to throw you under the bus, mom, but my mom used to say, you can't take an antidepressant. It'll be on your record forever. Nobody's going to want to hire a doctor on antidepressants. Like This was the thought process around using antidepressants 25 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So fast forward... 
by October of my first year of medical school, I knew I had to get out of there. I moved to LA, did my residency and worked in LA and then came here. So number one is I never left the sun. Once I started to figure out after a night of delivering babies, when I just felt exhausted and horrible, that if I drove east in the sunlight, I got this instant pick-me-up that would get me through the rest of the day. I would face east, even back then, 20 years ago, to get myself through the rest of the day. In 2015, when I started feeling really bad, I moved my house to where I live now on Camelback Mountain in Scottsdale or Phoenix. And then I just started hiking east every morning. And I was getting that like, it's just a connected feeling. I used to call it flow. You know what it is. When, you, when you're just staring at the sunrise, you just feel, it's a language. It's a communication. It's a, I use the word see, but it's not see. It's all of your senses feel excited. Yeah. Just to me, it's like just abundance, just everything that you want in one moment. Yeah. And you literally can say, okay, what should I do with this decision? God or universe or whoever you visualize yourself talking to. And you get downloads. You get your answer when your brain, when your receiver is clean, when you're healthy. So my day now looks like I do that every morning. I hike at sunrise. I now hike all the way over the top of the mountain. Wow. Mornings. Um, how, long, how long is that? Well, I'm teaching and talking, so it can be two to three hours. But it <laughs> wow. <take> <laughs> Um, I don't need much sleep anymore. I bought a Jeep that, that shortly after that, and I drive it year round without, uh, the roof on, even in the 120 degree weather I go out at lunch. So I wear like a jog bra or tank top under my sweater and I leave shorts by the back door. So I'll go out at lunch and either drive somewhere to get lunch or just sit outside or go for a walk if it's not too hot. And then it's, um, I probably would ha say I have to be less careful about nighttime light than I did when I was hypothyroid. That seemed to be less of a problem. So I don't, I don't watch television and I don't have bright lights in my house. Um, but I'm probably not as compulsive as most people about the nighttime light anymore. I used like, to be like just like junk light, blue light is what you're referring to. Right. I don't really have that in my house. So I, I can't really gauge when I lived in my old house. We did, we had those led lights everywhere. And they, my husband always had them on, but the house that I moved to, we only light with lamps with incandescent bulbs and I don't watch television much. So, um, and then I, I'm in bed by like nine, nine thirty, And most mornings I'm awake by three or three thirty, ready to go. I like the routine. That's a awesome routine. And I think everybody could benefit with getting morning sunlight wherever you are in the world, even on an overcast day, just going outside in the morning. So many benefits to that. Um, and not listening to like music or, you know, not distracting, but just being present. For me, I'll walk my dog around my the island I live here. And it's called Bay Harbor Islands, which is right by Miami Beach. Uh, so I'm just doing what's called auto suggestion, which I learned from. Bob Proctor and Think and Grow Rich, which is this book right there. And they're just affirmations. Like, I am healthy. I am so grateful for my healthy healing body. I am strong. I am powerful. I'm healthy. I'm grateful for my healthy lymphatic system, for my healthy organs. And I'm just saying so many things I'm grateful for. And it's the best way to start my day. And uh, I encourage those to do that, whether it's my routine, your routine, or a variation of it. But starting that morning off right instead of looking at your phone is such a powerful way to start the day. So I do want to say to people who are really sick, the amount of sleep that I need did not come until I had completely fixed my thyroid. And I had COVID last winter after COVID, I did need more sleep. So that's static. If you're really sick, I don't want anyone to think that they're going to be able to just get six hours of sleep and not heal. It took mm -hmm. a long time to need this little sleep. And it took me getting down to my ideal body mass and then being able to fluctuate that up and down before I needed less sleep. So there's a lot of components before you get to that point. The part about seeing yourself well, I think this is a really big piece of the other stuff that I work on. We are the highest level of conscious species. Our consciousness is more powerful than anything else. We have bigger brains, we have more DHA, we evolved out of the ocean, like the astaxanthin that you mentioned earlier, that came from our evolution out of the ocean using fish that had red in them, right? Mm -hmm. So all everything that we have evolved to is the highest level of conscious observers of this universe. So if you are using daily affirmations to create affirmations to create your reality, which you have so powerfully done by losing all the weight that you said that you lost and writing your book and being so successful, 
we have the ability to create this reality as a population. And we are at the brink of becoming a type one civilization, which is going to have what will appear to be to us unlimited power when we harness nuclear fusion and the, the energy sources that we're going to be able to use. So if we as individuals have the power to create our reality, which I think many people who are really sick don't understand, they, they, they don't know how to use that for themselves as a global, as, as a country. And then as a global group of people, we have the ability to create the reality that we want as humanity goes through what we're going through right now. But we have to be healthy. We have to have healthy brains. We can't be dumb by, dumbed down by sugar and carbohydrates in order to get there. That's like big picture. I just wish every human on the planet could get that. Yeah, I love that. Well said, Courtney. Uh, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be as complicated as maybe some of my podcasts have been, to be honest with you. I mean, we go deep dive with other people, but really basic, honestly, what Courtney just said, get more sun, get outside more often, lower your insulin just by eating more fat and protein, less carbohydrates, practice eating, practice fasting, get enough sleep that you require, slowly exercise and move. I mean, Start with one thing and build from there. And at the same time, you have those 60,000 thoughts per day that are 60,000 opportunities to heal your body every single day, essentially, because you become what you think about most of the time. Hey, Keto Camper, it is time to get your shift together. What do I mean? Sugar Shift is a unique probiotic designed as a working system to convert the sugars, glucose, and fructose in your gut to the free radical scavenger mannitol which also feeds a healthy gut microbiome, supports the mitochondria, and by the way, it increases the production of butyrate, which helps protect the gut lining and is one of the main ketone bodies. You heard of it, beta-hydroxybutyrate. This is one of my favorite formulas. It's an eight-strain formula built as a working system to provide specific gut functions, and it's unique in its probiotic formulation. One of my favorite things about this product is that it breaks down and detoxifies glyphosate. The product also includes strains that has been shown to improve muscle mass and support changes in body mass. I've used it with several of my Keto Camp Academy students and they have reported to me it's helped them with their sugar cravings, it helped them with their transition from sugar burner to fat burner, helps to keep them in ketosis and take the results to another level, helps when they hit a plateau, improves digestion, in a recent study, BiotaQuest, the company that makes Sugar Shift, showed huge improvements in blood sugar reduction, A1C reduction, also reducing LPS, which is an endotoxin that can create inflammation in your body. If you'd like to get your hands on a bottle of Sugar Shift from BiotaQuest, head to BiotaQuest.com, which is spelled B-I-O-T-I-Q-U-E-S-T. And then put the coupon code CAMP, K-A-M-P-1-0 at checkout and also check out their other products as well. We'll drop links down below with the coupon code in the podcast notes. So an affirmation I always give people, like when I got COVID last October, I was just saying in my head, uh, the health I seek is now seeking me. I remove any interference or any uh, blockages between us, right? And I give that affirmation to people and it's those, you say that over and over and over and all of a sudden you become what you start to think about. So anything else you wanted to add to that before we move on and close the conversation, Courtney? Well, our thoughts are electromagnetic radiation, just like this thing is emitting electromagnetic radiation. Your phone, you're pointing at your phone, yeah. Right. So to get people to understand that concept from a quantum physics perspective, if you want to be healthy, write yourself an email and tell yourself, I'm not going to open that email <laughs> until I get my new iPhone or my new Samsung, until I get my next upgrade. But by the time I open that email, I want to be who I know I can be. I want to be who I was when I was 35. I want to be who I was when I was 16. I want to be that person by then. Your thoughts work the same way as your phone. You emit that electromagnetic radiation. And if you focus on it, you're going to touch that person. In quantum mechanics, there really is no time. You're going to make that person happen. And your age is not your number of revolutions about the sun. It's the epigenetics, the methylation, all these different theories of aging, the antioxidant theory of age, all these different theories, if you just put them into one box and start getting to work on them, you will become that person and you won't need the cell phone. You'll say to yourself when you're there in two years, oh yeah, I got the message. 
<laughs> I'm opening the email. I understand. I did it. I love that. Uh, so powerful. They don't teach this in school. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to listen to this episode a couple times, maybe three times, and go check out Courtney's work as we um, wrap up the conversation. I just want to make sure we got all the bullet points that I had here. Um, healing brain inflammation is important. Vitamin D deficiency is something I wanted to ask you about. So you said that was one of the most... You said zinc deficiency, vitamin D deficiency. What would be your favorite ways of getting vitamin D up? I know the sun, but also are there any other methods that you prefer? And then what would be your optimal reference range for vitamin D levels? The optimal method would be an annual cycle where you get your vitamin D between 65 and 85 by the end of the summer, depending on where you live and also depending on your skin type. So if you take all that into account and you are a person with my color and you're living in Arizona, by the end of the summer, I would hope that you're at 85. If you're jumping into this in February and you have POTS and mast cell activation and histamine intolerance and your vitamin D is 12, you're going to have to take a supplement. But ideally, once you start to open your brain and realize that you are meant to live naked in the sun in the summer, you start to use that on a 365-day-a-year cycle to heal yourself rather than just downing the pills that your primary care doctor tells you to, to down because that's not going to fix the problem. It's not going to mm-hmm. fix your histidine. It's not going to fix your mast cell. It's not going to fix your POTS. It's the actual solar UV light that's going to fix those things in yeah. a ketogenic or practicing a ketogenic lifestyle. Have you ever seen a, a vitamin D uh, toxicity like uh, over 100, 150? No. no, I've never seen, I've seen levels over 100 or 100, but I've never seen it as a toxic sort of uh, a deal. I just was curious if you've seen that. So the answer well, is no. If you look at the last 100 years of what we've done with vitamin D, we realized that we could make a supplement out of it. And we started fortifying food in the last century. And then when we started fortifying our food, these children were getting super high vitamin Ds, way more than 100. And that's where the toxicity came in. So then they started pulling back on how much these children were being supplemented. I mean, there was Nobel Prizes 100 years ago for this. Then when we started pulling back, that kind of story kept getting told by the pediatricians. And so doctors are afraid to get super high vitamin Ds because of all that knowledge that was basically about selling people supplements 100 years ago, yeah, 90 <laughs> years ago. And the, the lies just kept getting perpetuated. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I do believe it's impossible to get a vitamin D toxicity unless another problem can occur. If you're just doing so much vitamin D in the supplement form without the other fat-soluble vitamins, it could create potentially like a deficiency in the other ones, A, E, and K, like a functional deficiency. I see that issue, but I would put my money on it. That that would never happen if you're getting it from sunshine and eating food. Not from sunshine. No, yeah. no way. No way, There's exactly. No way. The body's too smart. And, and I, I'm sure you know, but the lowest incidence of melanoma is in the migrant workers who get the most sunshine. <laughs> yeah. So that to me, has more to do with heavy metals in our skin. We're sweating out the heavy metals. We're putting on the sunblock. We're blocking that in our skin. And then we're radiating it. That's the problem. Yeah. Heavy metals, I think vegetable oils and too much fish oil, I think, as well. Uh, Dr. Courtney Hunt, this has been an amazing, amazing conversation. I know you have to go celebrate your daughter's birthday shortly. Where can they go check you out? Your website is uh, CourtneyHuntMD.com. You have your book, Your Spark is Light, The Quantum Mechanics of Human Creation on Amazon. But where else can they go check you out? Uh, The book is also free on my site. I don't want anyone to not be able to afford it. I think every human should understand where we come from. And then my company where I work with people internationally is called Genetic Protocol. So that's just geneticprotocol.com. And if you do buy it on Amazon, her book, I I saw that she's donating 100% of the proceeds to charity. So that could be an option as well. And I love that you do that. Your Instagram is at Courtney Hunt MD, and she does amazing things on her Instagram. So we'll, we'll link everything we mentioned down below. I want to acknowledge you, Courtney, for the work that you're doing in this world, all the people you're helping. And I learned so much from you today. I learned so much studying to get ready for this interview. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm so glad Evan connected us. He was right. And I look forward to having more conversations with you and seeing you just change many more lives in this world. So thank you for today. Thank you, Ben. This was fun. Have a nice weekend. I hope you enjoyed that fascinating conversation. And I hope you're inspired to 
go get more light. Use ketosis, eat quality whole foods, and supercharge your mitochondria so you could feel better and overcome any symptoms you might be dealing with. If you want to learn more about Dr. Courtney Hunt, we put all of her information down below in the podcast notes. Her website is CourtneyHuntMD.com. Check her out on Instagram. She does lives about every single day. We'll put that down below. Share this episode with a friend. Share it with somebody you know. Copy and paste the link. Put it in a text message. Send it to somebody who could get value from a conversation like this. And if you haven't left the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review yet, please do so. It really helps the show grow and reach more people. I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me and listening to the entire episode. I am super grateful, and I'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.